Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. Yeah, let's talk about uh, maybe something that's not so much about spirituality, although it will have a spirituality component to it, but something that is very much part of our lives. And uh, maybe the directors and producers at Haifa are not going to like this, but let me ask you a question. That ad that plays about the things we have to do to protect ourselves from COVID-19. Uh, obviously, at the beginning of the of the pandemic, it was quite important. Do you think we still need that um, that information going out there, or do you think maybe it's reaching a point that it's becoming overbearing? And that will speak to the heart of what it is that I would like to share with you today. Or, And when I say share, sharing is, what do, what do the kids say? Sharing is caring. I'm going to say sharing is a two-way street. So that's how we roll over here at uh, Fresh Thinking. That's what we do. Our conversations go in two directions. So it's not just about me speaking. It's about your opportunity to uh, to respond as well. Something that's been playing on my mind for quite some time, and I had a few conversations about this over the course of this week, and those conversations have consolidated uh, the perspective. Now, I, I don't have statistics in front of me, and I'm sure we can get um, we can get statistics right about anxiety and stress in children. So here we go. That's the great thing about Google. You can get information as easily as you would like. So the National Institute of Health in the United States uh, indicates that nearly a third of adolescents will experience an anxiety disorder. How's that for a thought? A third, a third of adolescents. And then if you have a look around, there are quite a number of articles where people have raised this concern about how it is that anxiety in teens seems to be rising and stress, stress in children seems to be rising. And I'll tell you, just recently had a very disturbing experience. And I don't think that this experience is so uncommon, unfortunately. But it was a disturbing experience with a kid who I know who was supposed to be able to be at a particular event, whatever the case was, and ultimately was unable (coughs) to participate because of the overwhelming paralyzing anxiety that this child felt about going out. And I thought, wow, you know, is, first of all, is this something which is new? Is it something which is different about the world that we're living in now, the time that we're living in now? In other words, is it fair to say that there is more anxiety or greater stress on children today than there might have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago? And I know everybody idealizes their childhood and we like to be nostalgic and people say, yeah, it was amazing because we could ride our bikes in the street and we had not a care in the world. It's unlikely that people had not a care in the world. At the same time, we probably need to be objective enough to say we, we might have a problem, <coughs> a developing problem, a growing problem in terms of the stress that children seem to be under these days. So I just wanted to talk about that because in Judaism, of course, a high value of Judaism is to be in a state of simcha, in a state of joy, which obviously means that in a very optimistic headspace and not overwhelmed by life itself. So it just really got me thinking, you know, what is it? What's stealing our children's happiness? What's causing this stress and this anxiety? And I'm sure you must have thought about it. 
you must have experiences. If you're willing to share a personal experience, that'd be very meaningful. And of course, our goal will be not just to bemoan the circumstances that we might find ourselves in, but rather to think about how we could shift this and what we could do about it. So I guess there's two parts to our conversation today. The first part of the conversation is, do you feel the same way? Do you feel that our children are under more stress today than perhaps in previous times? Do you agree perhaps that our children are more anxious than they used to be? Maybe even more anxious than they were just a few years ago before COVID. That might be a factor. I don't believe it's the only factor at all, at all, because throughout history, kids have been exposed, as, as adults have, to a whole range of challenging circumstances and situations. So COVID was a tremendously challenging experience for us, but it doesn't by any means equate to the worst experience that people have been through in the course of history. So it asks the question, it begs the question, you know, what's going on? What's going, what's, what's, what's bothering us as a society? What's, what's bothering us as a community? Why are our children so stressed? So that's the one side of the conversation is to say, you know, do you agree with the principle? Do you think that this is what's happening? Do you have a suggestion perhaps why it may be happening? And then the other side of the conversation, which is essentially the more important part of the conversation is, so what could we do to change things? What could we do to, to move? What could we do to improve? What could we do to help our children who seem to be a little bit more overwhelmed than we'd like them to be and possibly even more overwhelmed than we we were at their ages. So it's an important conversation. It might not sound as spiritual as anybody expects from fresh thinking, but there is a spiritual component to this conversation, which I believe that we will get to. So let's open up the lines for conversation. Um, as you well know, you can engage using social media. So that's either on Twitter, where you find at Chai FM, or you find at Rabbi Shish, or on Facebook, where you can either go onto the Chai FM Facebook page or onto my Facebook page. And then, of course, there's SMS on 34519. And if you have the Telegram app, then you can message us on 0618951019. Let's talk about this because it is something, I suppose, that should be of concern to us. It's something we definitely have to address if we do, in fact, agree that this is, this is an issue. And it's something that we have to you know, contend with realistically. It's part of our lives. So we've got to think. We've got to think. What is the cause? Interesting that some people will say, and I expected that people would say this, and sure enough, you can see that, that people have said this, is uh, already one or two people commenting over here. I'm not going to mention by name because I think it's a bit of an exposure, but saying I was quite anxious as a child as well. And we're talking about people who are probably in their 40s saying, you know, it's not so new, it's not so unusual. Kids get anxious, it happens. It's not a product necessarily of the 21st century experience. And that might be true and that's fine. We can, we can discuss that. The reality is if our conclusion lands up being that kids today are not any more stressed or anxious than they were in previous times, that may well be true, question still remains, so what are we supposed to do about it? <laughs> because it's actually not a consolation to know, oh, it's been bad before, so therefore it's acceptable to be bad now. That's not, that's not a way to think. It's not a way to approach life. Surely, in so many other areas, we'll acknowledge that life is better now than it was previously. The technology that we have at our disposal is better now than the technology that we had previously. The access to medical care uh, uh, helps us to be able to confront and tackle and treat the kind of illnesses that were deadly in previous times. So 
I don't think it's actually a good enough answer to say, well, there always was stress and they always were anxious children. So it's just part of life, accept and roll with the punches. Many things are part of life that we consistently look to change. Decay is part of life, but we still look after ourselves. Um, <laughs> the death is part of life. We still look to prolong life. You know, I, I think we've got to be really careful not to do that, not to say, oh, we also had a bad. Let's, let's talk about this objectively. And if you do believe that it's no worse off now than it was before, which I personally don't believe, and I think the statistics are on my side from what, I, from what I've read, here and then everywhere. Uh, for example, here's the CDC, right? Listen to this. This is the CDC who everybody took uh, so seriously, of course, through COVID and, and various other things. So look what the CDC says. They said that this is a study that was already done in 2019. And it showed that nine, almost nine and a half percent basically of children were diagnosed with anxiety in the period between 2016 and 2019, okay? So almost 10% of children um, and it equates to almost 6 million children diagnosed with anxiety and about half of that amount diagnosed with depression over the same period of time. But here's the part that is crazy. Here's the part. So anxiety or depression in children aged between 6 and 17 years old increased from 5.5% in 2003 to 8% in 2007. Look at that. That's crazy, right? So they're the statistics. And then there are various other statistics that are quoted as well. But that's the main statistic is that, that incredible leap. So I don't think it's far-fetched to say that in today's world there is an increased level of anxiety and stress within the children, the, the child population. And I think we have to ask ourselves why. Why would this have happened? And sometimes when you can ad identify the why, that opens the door to be able to identify how to respond how to reverse the trend, what to do about it. So that's why I'm having this conversation because I do believe that we have spiritual wisdom in the Torah that will help us to be able to deal with this. I would love to hear your thoughts. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. We're talking today about stress and anxiety in children and the stats seem to indicate that that's on the, on the rise. And um, I think it should be something we're concerned about and something that we want to know a little bit more about how to fix. So that's the question I'm asking you. What do you think is causing it? Why do you think that there is increased stress and anxiety in our children? And what kind of spiritual insight does the Torah offer us that would help us possibly to, to shift this, to, to change this trend? So somebody said, but it's a, it's a little bit... I think a little bit general, somebody said society, school, and social pressures on children. But I think we have to unpack those things because we're going to say that there's school pressure. Well, kids always went to school. And societal pressure, I think there probably was always bullying and there was always, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and various things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we've got to, you've got, you, sometimes these things just need a little bit more detail. You know, you can't just put it out there in, in headlines. Here's Mike. Mike on Telegram says, parents have unrealistic expectations of living their own dreams through the lives of their children. I believe that the generation of the Holocaust produced a generation that needed to survive. The next to succeed and be wealthy, 
and the current generation having to live up to their parents' expectations, they have lost the ability to relax, play, and be at ease. When money is God, and God is absent from your life, a person cannot find peace or meaning in life. And then COVID created separation, isolation, and aloneness. Hashem and community create togetherness and kindness. Okay, so Mike, you've effectively said three different things. The first one is that parents have unrealistic expectations, that they believe that they could live the life that they wished for through their children, and possibly even sometimes the life they never got to live through their children. And that's probably valid. It's probably valid for certain parents. I don't imagine that it is as widespread parents trying to live vicariously through their children as the extent of the stress and anxiety that those children face. So that was your first point, Mike. Then your second point was when people replace God with money, they won't find peace in their life. And I think that's a deep spiritual message that many people don't want to hear, but it has tremendous validity. And then the third point that you've noted is very current, and that is COVID, and how COVID has created an extra layer of separation, isolation, and aloneness. And the example that I said, that I mentioned earlier about this child, who was almost like paralyzed with anxiety and couldn't go out, the age bracket of that particular child would speak exactly to what you've just said about COVID, that we created, we as a society. And I'm not saying it was the wrong thing to do. We had to react in such a way as to keep the society safe, to keep people safe. The reality is we did create a sense of fear. The world is a fearful place. It's a scary place. Things could happen. People could die. So children who don't necessarily have the ability to process exactly what that means and over and above that they were in isolation, no surprise now that they carry a, an extra layer of anxiety. So, so these are all valid points. I think you're making valid points. And my question then would be, so what do we do next? How do we shift that? How do, we, how do we get people to now feel confident, especially children? They're so impressionable. If we don't get this right at this age, who knows what the long-term knock-on effects could be, considering how impressionable children are. Okay, very good point. Uh, here's Ingrid who says, schools and some parents put far too much pressure for their children to achieve high marks and to boost the school's ego-driven, marketing-driven needs. Boom. Okay, that's the big one, right? And I'm sure many of the schools would be quite offended by that allegation, that all they want is to put names and faces into the papers. Look what a school we are. We have these kids who could achieve in such a magnificent way, and therefore, it's actually good for our bottom line. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, and I'm not saying that won't contribute to anxiety. I personally feel that in an educational environment where there's so much stress on children to achieve marks, to achieve distinction, you are going to naturally have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Has to be. Has to be. So, you know, question is, I suppose, why? Why do you think, why do you think that parents would do this to the children? I mean, I, I can understand the argument for, for the schools because schools need to get people through the door. And in order to do that, you got to show that you're an exceptional school. But why would a parent, assuming their parents do this to their children, why would they do that? Here's Ashira who says, parental stress and anxiety over COVID, if us adults fear this unknown, imagine how they are feeling. And I think this is such an important conversation to have because needless to say, we can't expect that our children are going to be in a healthy state of mind and feel optimistic about the future or confident in the present 
if the adults in their life who are their role models who set the tone for their emotional uh, perspective, if the adults are teetering, how is it possible that we should expect that the kids will be on solid ground? So that already starts to speak to an answer, right? If we want our children to be in a healthy headspace, we want them to, it's, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, mental health month, right? So if we want to ensure the mental health or the robust mental health of children, surely we have to start with the adults. Adults need to make sure that we're in a good space, that that we're in a, you know, so <laughs> all very well to say, oh, never, the poor kids, look what they're going through. But if we're not treating ourselves, the likelihood is that we are not going to be in a position to be able to help them. And I know it's cliched, but it's what people always say about the safety announcement on an aircraft and how you have to make sure to put on your own oxygen mask first. So if we don't have that stability, we don't have that optimism, we don't have that sense of trust in the now or trust in the future, it's near impossible that we should expect our children will somehow miraculously have it. Where? Where would they get it from? Where would they get it from? Okay, interesting. Interesting point. Graham says that children deal with so much more information than we had back in the day. And I, I resonate very deeply with what Graham is saying, that it's information overload that contributes a, a huge amount to the stress and anxiety that our kids have. Because we were actually joking about it the other day, you know, when, when, when we were kids, so let's assume that somebody even had a TV in their house, and not everybody had a TV in their house, right? Let's assume you did. So the TV came on at a certain time of day. First it was 6 p.m., then it was 4 p.m., if I remember correctly. And prior to that, there was no TV. <laughs> there were only a certain amount of things that you could watch, and you didn't get this up-to-date deluge of information from everywhere, of everything that's happening in the world, and every person who's shooting up a school or dying of some monkeypox or who knows what. So today's kids are definitely overloaded with information and it's not a matter of whether they have a device or not. They certainly should not have a device until they're mature enough to be able to regulate what they see on the device. And we as parents certainly have a responsibility to regulate for them. Um, but even besides that, they're hearing so much from us, so much that they don't necessarily have to hear or perhaps Dafka should not hear. What do you think? What do you think is the cause or the causes of the fact that children appear to be more stressed and more anxious today than they were in the past? And what could we be doing about it? Is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? There you go. There you go. There's stress and anxiety right there in that line. Is your shopping list longer and your time shorter? I think the only thing that's missing from that line is and your bank account <laughs> thinner. So there you have it. Anyway. If you have just tuned in, this is Fresh Thinking. As we do on Thursday afternoons, you are with Rabbi Shishla. It's a conversation, which means that it's a two-way street. You can engage us on social media. You can find me on Facebook or Chai FM on Facebook. Otherwise, my Twitter is at Rabbi Shish. Chai FM's Twitter is at Chai FM. Good old SMS line is 34519. And on Telegram, you can reach us via 0618951019. Talking today about something that I find quite concerning, the apparent increased anxiety levels and stress levels of children. And so why do you think that is? And what could we do to somehow help 
deal with it. Had a few interesting comments come through, people saying, yes, we were also anxious as children. We've had people saying that parents want to live vicariously through their kids. As Mike said, we had Ingrid saying the schools put too much pressure to perform and it's for their bottom line because they need to be able to sell uh, sell the school. Ashiro, who said that if the parents are stressed over things such as COVID, what do you expect from the kids? And Graham said, information overload. That's what's happening. We're overloading the kids with information. Linda says, our lifestyle today is stressful and has become more so with the coronavirus, now the Ukrainian war, petrol prices soaring, food prices, etc., going up, and more job losses. Now, the reality is, if you had to compare that to other generations, it's probably fair to say that not only was there war in Ukraine, there were people who lived through war in their own country. There were people who went through job losses at the various um, stock market crashes. There was the entire Cold War, which was very stressful if you think about it. What is it about now that would make it war worse? Lauren says we should stop additional homework like they do in some Scandinavian countries. And there's definitely merit to that because at the end of the day, all it does is it loads the kids with more. And I think that that's a theme that's starting to come through. Children are overloaded. Either they're overloaded by their parents' expectations or by the school's expectations or by information overload or by the fact that they have too much to do. So maybe that's the issue. And here's Levy who says, maybe we have it all wrong. Maybe there's just more awareness now and the issues haven't necessarily changed. I'd like to say that there's more awareness. The question is, has the greater awareness or the freedom to be able to, to, to share what we're going through, has it in any way weakened our resilience? And I'll explain what I mean by that. And I'm not saying I have a strong view on this either way. But what I mean by that is people will tell you that once we had developed the ability to write, it immediately robbed us of the ability to memorize. Meaning to say, when we give people an opportunity to have some kind of support, they don't dig as deeply inside themselves to find their way forward. And I'm not saying that that's the case today, but I do think it's something we should be thinking about. Lara says it's the fast pace of technology and how fast paced life is, how readily available everything is. For sure, a concerning thing for me is when you hear children speaking about how time flies. When we were children, time did not fly, didn't fly, right? So it's the fast pace. Again, you'll see the theme that's developing. The theme that's developing is that our children are exposed to much more than we were. Much more in terms of expectations, much more in terms of information, much more in terms of technology, much more in terms of things that they do during the course of a day. Think about your school career if you're, let's say, 40 or older, let's just say. Uh, how many extramurals did you go to? How many therapies did you go to? Compare that to today's children. So there's more. I think that's the thing there's more adele says more social media social media from a young age and um, jeremy saying that we should need to stop inflicting adult type activities and stress and behavior onto them rather allow them to be children for as long as possible and that's an interesting thing do we possibly rob our children of their childhoods it's interesting interesting point you know do we impose adult expectations on them or adult information when they're not old enough or mature enough to understand what it is. Craig says there's crime, corruption, uncertainty. So that's a big thing as well. And, and, and here's a big thing that Craig says, we don't necessarily have the family units that we used to have. That's sometimes a little bit overlooked. That 
that element of, of the family and you know at the end of the day family structure not just the nuclear family but people spend time with their grandparents and their cousins and the aunts and uncles and it was like a happy place maybe that helped as well to mitigate stress okay interesting points I, 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 that's what I love about this conversation that we always have on fresh thinking there's so much insight so many perspectives that it, it really it really makes for meaningful conversation and a tremendous amount of learning uh, Yoni on Twitter says they are aware of what's going on in the world right they're aware of what's going on in the world and that that gets them so I think everybody's effectively saying similar things in different ways now what's interesting about this is when you think about it the intensity of a person's stress is not necessarily the determining factor of whether that stress will be debilitating or not Sometimes you look at a person who's going through something which is incredibly difficult and we look at them and we say, I don't get it. And we imagine to ourselves that if we, God forbid, had to go through what they're going through, we would have been falling to pieces. And yet you look at some people and you say, I don't, I don't get it. How do you do such a good job of holding it together and keeping your chin up in spite of what's going on in your life, in spite of the challenges? And that indicates that the intensity of the stress is not necessarily, not necessarily the, um, the the intensity of the stress, not necessarily the cause of whether a person feels more stressed, but that sense of being overwhelmed where there's so many things, I think we'll all acknowledge that's one of our biggest stresses. So regardless of what the things are that we have to do, if there's so many of them that we have to do or that we have to juggle, that we have to contend with, that's what gives a tremendous sense of stress. Now, what's interesting is Brett says that it's actually written in the Torah, and I'd love to know where well, not love to. I, I have a I have a, a perspective on this. If you if you look at the beginning of the Torah, right at the beginning of the Torah, which of course is the story of the account of creation. So the first thing is that the Torah starts with the letter Bez, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, rather than starting with an Aleph, and that's significant because every letter in Judaism has a numerical value. Aleph has the numerical value of one, whereas Bez has the numerical value of two. And the distinction between one and two, obviously is that one implies unity, where things are in harmony, and two implies the possibility for difference and possibly even conflict. So right from the very beginning, it seems that the world was designed in such a way that would generate the possibility of conflict and therefore the possibility of stress. Conflict does not have to mean that it's two people fighting against each other. Conflict could simply mean, I have a conflict in my head right now. What should I be doing next? What should I prioritize? What should I prioritize? Oh my gosh! I accidentally opened that WhatsApp, so now they can see that there's a double blue tick. So they're going to think that I'm ignoring them. So there's a conflict of interest right now. I need to be doing something else, but I feel compelled to reply to this particular message, and so on and so forth. And I think that's where stress actually comes from, not necessarily from how severe the things are that we're dealing with, but rather by the fact that we're inundated with things that we have to deal with. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. Most of the conversation today actually happening on Facebook, which is quite unusual. Usually Twitter is our place, but you can engage in either one of those places or 34519 via SMS and 0618951019 if you're going to use Telegram. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Now you see, there, just create a stress for you. And that's the crazy thing when you think about it. There are so many elements that could create stress for us in our lives. It's actually quite something. So, for example, here's the pick and pay specials. And a person may very well hear in those pick and pay specials stress. Oh, my gosh. Things have become so expensive. 
Or I really need to do my shopping. It's Thursday afternoon already. Shabbos is coming tomorrow. But at the same time, I have to do the shopping. I've got all these other things to consider. All these other things that I need to contend with. And so those are the things that create stress. Jordan says the cause of ch child stress is phones. And if you think for a moment that that is just simply the fact that they watch things or that they're on social media, just WhatsApp, the amount of stress that WhatsApp can cause that you have to reply to people and you have so many messages. Ask yourself, when last did you say, I have so many mess messages to deal with? Okay, Karen says, similar to what Levy said before, perhaps the way we measure stress and anxiety has evolved. That's possible. Also believe that a more globalized world has done a lot of damage to childhood, increased pressures, increased threats, decreased family support systems, high demand, high-risk lifestyles. Yeah, I, I think these are all valid points. What we'll see right throughout as a theme, whether we're talking about adults or whether we're talking about children, is that one of the very strong contributors to stress and anxiety is this conflict. This conflict between things we have to do, how to prioritize them, who to prioritize, managing everything within the time that is allocated to us. And Judaism teaches us that in order to get anywhere in terms of being a healthy human being, we have to shift our heads from reading the world as a place that is fundamentally a place of conflict, because that's going to cause stress. Either it's going to cause stress because all the items on my agenda are vying for attention and they're all in conflict with each other. Or it's going to cause stress because at the end of the day, those people out there are in conflict with me or they might be in conflict with the next country and that might affect me. You look around, the news, the media, news media loves to do this. They love to tell us just about how bad it is and, and everybody's out to get everybody else and everybody's got an issue and this faction is fighting against that faction and this political party is going to rip that political party apart and these people are going to close down the whole city because they have an issue that they're protesting. And as long as we look at life that way and we put people into those boxes and we put circumstances and we didn't create everything into these micro elements of life, there's going to be a tremendous amount of stress. And that's where our kids live. So many elements to their lives. It's not as simple or straightforward as it used to be. Neville said it. I think he intended it partly as a joke and partly in, in earnest. He says the kids today don't have BMXs. And, and I think back. That's brilliant. I had a BMX. And it was this amazing place that you could just go and do your thing, you know, just go for a ride and, and not have to worry about anything else. Whereas our kids today don't, even if they had to get onto a bike and go, they'd probably have an app that's measuring how, what distance they've ridden, ridden on the bike, which means that they have a device that's coming with them for the ride, which means that in all likelihood they're listening to something and possibly that might be messages, so they have to reply to it. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's quite something how, how much goes on in a child's life. So Judaism says as long as we read the world as being a place of tremendous conflict and things that are at loggerheads, we're going to always feel stressed, and that's not where we should be living. As Jewish people, we say every day, Hashem Echad, God is one. And, and that's not just a statement that we only believe in one God and we don't believe in other deities. That's a statement to say that anything godly, anything that is associated with holiness and therefore with wholesomeness is always represented by oneness, by a sense of unity, by a sense of harmony. There's 
so much push in our world to fracture our world. We actually need this element of harmony that brings our world together. And that is what's going to help us to overcome stress, not only ourselves, but our kids as well. And as somebody, I can't remember who it was, said earlier, if the children look at us and they see that we're stressed, what do we imagine they would do not to be stressed? Uh, Wendy says, we need more concentrated family times, no phones, no screens, just being together. And it's so true. It's not only screens, by the way, because we become so used to the fact that we could sit around a table and not be together, that even when a day like Shabbos comes along, that everybody swears we'll solve all of our problems, we don't necessarily know how to use that Shabbos table, how to really be present with our children because we're so used to the distractions. So it's it's a really interesting perspective. We need that concentrated family time without the distractions. Ellie says, I don't remember my parents or grandparents ever mentioning stress or anxiety. Perhaps all the incessant talking about it actually induces it or at the very least accentuates it. Stress isn't in and of itself a bad thing. It's the degree of what uh, uh, it's the degree of it that makes a difference. What society needs is guidance on how to navigate through stress, how, not how to avoid it. I think this is very true. We need guidance on how to manage the realities of life rather than trying to escape. Because of course, if we advocate escaping the stress of life, God forbid, some people might take that the wrong way and use things that are really unhealthy as their means of trying to escape the stress of life. So that's that's good advice. That's a good perspective. I don't know if everybody will agree that perhaps it's induced by the fact that everybody's talking about it, although it seems that there might be some merit to that approach, or to that attitude, because people want to be part of what is apparently in or gives you attention. So I don't know, that might be, it's a very interesting thesis that the talk about stress possibly induces people to become more stressed, okay? It's definitely interesting, and we can explore it, I suppose. What I'm arguing is that Judaism is all about focusing all the disparate elements of the world, or at least the elements of the world that appear to be disparate, into a single harmonious path and a single harmonious aspiration and goal. One objective, one objective which is to connect ourselves and others to Hashem. One objective which is to live with a sense of meaning and with a sense of harmony. And I don't know if we do that enough for our children. I don't know if we tell them enough about the fact that life has a purpose and that there is a singular goal that brings everything into focus, brings everything together. And I suppose if we're not living it and if we're not sharing it, it's a little far-fetched to imagine that our children will experience it. So that would make a big difference, right? make a big difference to how our children would experience life. So I think that's something we should be focused on, something we should be talking about. Perhaps you have other insights as well, uh, in which case you could still get in this couple of minutes before we wrap up. So go ahead and share with us, please, what you think might be the answer. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Okay, so talking today has definitely stirred up quite a conversation, at least on Facebook, it's turned into quite a conversation about children and stress and whether or not it is something which is on the on the rise and why would that be? And some people saying, well, it's not really on the rise, it's just more acceptable to talk about it, there's no taboo. Reality is, even if it is not a taboo any longer, and that's the reason we're hearing about it, it doesn't make it any more comfortable. The fact is, the kids 
have stress. The fact is that people are anxious. So either way, whether we justify it or not, we do have to find a way to work through it and to empower people. And in Judaism, I believe a big part of it is that sense of this harmony. I'll tell you an interesting story. Um, there used to be a rabbi here in Johannesburg called Rabbi David Lappin. He now lives in the United States. And I recently read an interview where he described an interaction that he, uh, sorry, not, wrong, wrong, wrong person, sorry. That was a different story. It was a story with a person called Herbert Wiener. That's who the story was with. Herbert Wiener was a reform rabbi who met with the Rebbe many times. And on one occasion he said, you know, I don't get it. Your Hasidim, they all walk around with this innocence in their eyes. And it seems that they, they're just naive. They don't understand the problem. They don't understand the stresses of the world and that's why they're walking around looking so at ease at all times and the Rebbe used a very interesting expression in responding to him and said well the reality is they don't have a disconnect they don't live with a dis disconnect most people live with a disconnect between their life the ideals of their life the reality of their life there's a disconnect between what they believe and what they experience. There's a disconnect between what they should be doing on a Monday versus what they should be should be doing on a Shabbos and the objective of Torah is not to live with that disconnect. Stress and anxiety is very much exacerbated when a person feels a tremendous amount of disconnect. Too many things that have no link either to each other or to my life. And they're all just overwhelming. It's this flood of experiences. It's this flood of thoughts. It's this flood of responsibilities. And every one is a disconnect. You've got to like unpack every single time. So the, the kid in, in class has to be this way. And then at the, on the sports field has to be that way. And then in the gaming virtual world where their friends have to be a different way. And there's competition and there's a disconnect between me and the next person. So their success is not something I could celebrate because potentially it's something that robs me of my success. That's going to generate a tremendous amount of stress and anxiety both in adults and in children. And the greatest favor we could do to ourselves, and then by extension to our children, is to train ourselves to understand that the world is not a disconnected reality, it's a divine reality. We, everything actually has a, a golden thread that flows right through it, which is Hashem's objective for life. And if we could learn how to see that, we could learn how to release our own stress, and by extension, encourage our children that they could release a lot of their stress. Now, that's not so easy to do, and I think it's something we'd have to study a lot in order to achieve, but it's definitely something we should choose to make as a high-priority objective for our lives going forward. Please, God, we succeed in doing that, at least to some extent. Please, God, we succeed in reaching that point where our world becomes a place which is completely harmonious, which is what we call the time of Moshiach. May that happen really, really soon. I won't be with you on air next week. I'm going to be overseas. I wish you a good Shabbos. Stay safe and stay sane.